0: Welcome, friends, to The Flower of the Cedar, a novel in episodic podcast form. We are about to start the next chapter. Come, join us. Chapter 19 The Answer That Is Not An Answer She could not shake free from the things he had told her, not that day nor in the weeks following. What did it mean? She had believed in the passion and anger of Nyssa, believed her wronged and the god unjustly silent. She had believed Nyssa asked for his answer because she wanted it, yet it had come, and Nyssa had not stretched out a hand toward it. Why? The day of their first walk on the mountainside returned to Lara, with the tread of Dane's booted feet beside her. She had said she wished she knew the goddess could be trusted. Do you? Dane had said that is true, then she will show you. Did Nissa keep her hearts from the goddess because she would not answer her, as she said? Did the woman have a case against her, as it seemed? Was the goddess trustworthy or cruel? Lara did not share her thoughts with Jan for she began to imagine confronting Nissa, and she felt Jan would counsel her against it, thinking of Nissa's pain. Yet Lara could not spare much regard for this. The insistence of the paradox she had struck upon would not let her rest, and she wanted it answered for her own search. To that, any care for Nissa must give way. She grew more hardened in this resolve— deadening within her memories of Jan's rebuke the last day in Nena's home. She wrestled into silence, the second heart-finding, the voice, you should have cared, telling herself she needed this, she must know. One day, as the heavy snows shrank, releasing rivulets from beneath their weight, and children emerged to gamble in the streets. Lara knew she would find Nyssa and ask her. She waited until Leah had left to join her friends, and Jan and Dane had gone with Tomman to his workshop. Nyssa sat in her room at a small table, beside a window looking out onto the mountain, her hands busy with mending. A large basket filled with clothing stood at her elbow. Lara knocked on the open door frame and entered the room. Nissa looked up and nodded. A second chair was drawn up to the table, but Lara did not move toward it. She stood instead in the center of the room, feeling vaguely that she should like the open door at her back so she could turn and flee if she wanted. I met with someone at the spring's she said finally, when Nyssa did not speak. Nyssa laid her work down and looked at Lara. He said when your son died, you came before the gun and challenged the god to answer why he let the child die. The older woman's body stiffened. He said you told the people you would not give up your hearts until the god answered you, Lara said. He said you would not hear what any of your elders would say. Nissa stirred. Yes, she said. And she rose from her chair, holding her hands before her as though resting them on the remembered spar. Her eyes shone brightly and her lips parted. She stared at Lara as though at a herald of the end of the world. But Dane came, Lara said, unsure why she felt and heard anger in her voice. And you never asked him what message the god sent. You said the god owed you answer, but you spat in Dane's face. Nyssa's staring eyes fixed on Lara, now breathing constrictedly. The woman made no sound, nor movement. Lara at last took another step forward, a howling in her mind, a sudden furious urge to push through to see, to make Nyssa show her the truth. "'Why have you never in all this time asked to hear the answer you say you want so much?' she said. "'Are you a liar?' Nyssa snapped into motion suddenly, seizing Lara's shoulders painfully, shoving the girl before her until Lara had stumbled over the threshold and almost fallen down the flight of stairs. Catching herself on the third riser, Lara turned and looked back at Nyssa, whose white face now flamed like a phoenix against the dusk of the hallway behind her. Without another word, Nyssa turned disappeared into her room, shutting the door with finality. Lara descended the staircase, flat within, to the sound of sobbing muffled through the walls. Why did I do that? she thought uneasily, afraid, now that the surges of insistence had left her. Would Nissa drive them out, as Nena had done? Would she only drive out Lara? Where could Lara go in the trackless wild? Would Jan still accompany her when she heard what Lara had said? She left the house and went to join the others at Toman's workshop, dreading the return and the evening meal. Jan looked quizzically at her lowering storm of a countenance, but Lara would not meet her eyes, and Jan did not press her. They worked quietly beside one another for the remaining hour or two of the day's labor. Then began the inevitable walk back. Yet at the meal, Nyssa sat like stone and said nothing. Lara, terrified, never dared to look at her, and could not attend to the gentle talk of the day's work and studies in which the others in the family engaged. She lifted her food to her lips without tasting or seeing it, and throughout the meal she kept her left hand buried in the ruff of her ruby winter lion, trying to take comfort from its heat. The meal at last concluded. Nissa broke her silence, speaking a few words to Toman in mahogany dry attic. He looked at his wife, then told his sons to take Leah upstairs and ready her for sleep. Once she had been laid in her bed, they might rejoin the family. Lara's body grew numb with fear. Toman and Nissa beckoned them all to the adjoining room lit gently within Her fingers tightened on her winter lion, and she resolutely watched the floor. They sat without speaking until John and Tion came into the room, taking up seats beside their parents. All eyes turned to Nissa. She had risen to stand. Lara finally raised her eyes to the woman's face, but Nissa was not looking at her and Lara did not know how to read what she saw there. Nissa walked across the room and came to stand before Dane, who began to rise also to meet her, looking with concern upon her, but she held up her hand, and he sat back. Then, to Lara's astonishment, Nissa sank slowly down, down to her knees down with forehead bent to the floor. Dane, too, showed shock, but he spoke no word, and Nyssa also kept silent. What felt like hours passed. At last she spoke and her voice sounded utterly unlike any tones they had heard from her before. It broke and ground, as though dragged hard-willing over shale and boulder. And what she said was, Forgive me, runner. I will hear what the God has sent you to say. Oh, dear one, Jan whispered impulsively beside Lara, body shifting as though drawn moon on sea to the form of the prostrate woman. Lara herself felt that she could never move from where she sat. Of all eventualities, she had not expected this. Dane left his chair now kneeling in front of Nissa, where she had bent double and hidden her face. He laid his hands on her shoulders gently, and when she looked up at him, took her hands in his own. He raised her to her feet and stood before her. Nissa, daughter of Lissarinen, he said, the gods sent me to tell you, that he saw you in the streets as you held your child and wept. And he saw you all that night when you carried your son's body alone to the river and made for him a bed of rushes to carry him to the sea. You did not know the God with you, But he numbered your tears, and in his very hearts, felt all your pain. Nyssa fell senseless, heavy as an avalanche, tendons releasing from long rigidity. Dane caught her and held her up. Tauman, where he sat, had begun shivering. His sons came to sit beside him, and he turned his face against Tion's shoulder. Dane had taken Nyssa up himself to lay her on her bed insensate, and she slept the entirety of the following day. Toman went in to her once she woke, and they closed their door, and did not open it for some hours. John remained home that day, and together with Tion, cared for Leah. Dane, Jan, and Lara ran Toman's shop. In the evening. Nissa descended for the meal, and she looked weary but peaceful, as a child might, recovering from a long illness, safe in its bed. She asked Dane if they all might speak once more, and he assented. Her sons again put Leah to sleep, and the family gathered. And Nissa has told me, said Toman, with her hand in his Of how she carried our son's body to the water that day. The man who saw the fall in the street came to me in my shop to tell me, But when I arrived home she had already gone, and no one knew whither. She did indeed send his body down the river, And we believe from thence it reached the sea, for it was never found but it seems good to us that we should now fare him well together and set a marker at the place where she sent him on, and we should like that you, runner might sing the words over the dead. With honour I shall do it, said Dane, cupping his hands inward, then letting them fall out toward Toman and Nyssa. And I ask you again, said Nyssa, lifting her head from where it had rested on Taman's shoulder. For your pardon for the words I spoke to you when first you came into my house. Taman has told me how you understood even then, yet I wronged you, and I ask your pardon. You have it, full willing, Dane said, and smiled on her. I should also like to ask you concerning the gods' answer, she said, quiet. I will tell you all of the truth I know, said Dane. Why, she said, has he sent me this answer? Dane laughed softly. This answer, that is not an answer, he said. She smiled reluctantly. Yes, he bowed his head for some time before replying. I will not know so well as you in time, he said slowly. But what I know I will give you, and you must make of it what you will. Tell me, what did his answer bring to you? No reason why my son was taken, she said. And that is what his answer did not bring. What did it bring? Nissa considered, looking on the fingers of her hands twined with Toman's. "'It brought me word that he saw me,' she said. "'And this brought calm, as though after a great storm within me. "'Though I do not know why, for he has still not answered what I asked.' "'And it brought kindness again,' said Tion unexpectedly, between you and our father. Nissa looked with surprise at her son. He looked back at her, but his eyes held no rebuke. That is so, said Nissa, as though to herself. There is life and worth, then, in his answer, said Dane, though it is not the one you wanted. She dropped her gaze, then she raised a hand to her forehead, and said wearily, And shall he never tell me why? Shall I never know? For the question is a torment to me, and I would be free of it if I may. Dane watched her, seeming to consider with care his next words. There are many runners in the God's service, he said, and yet for each errand he chooses only one, and that deliberately. He chose me to come to you, I think, because our hearts would understand one another. May I speak to you of myself. Nyssa nodded. My parents served in the temple of the god all my childhood, Dane began. In the spring of my eleventh winter we had heavy rains for many months. When at last a day of sunlight dawned my parents took me to walk and eat among the green hills. Having eaten, we wandered the banks and soon we came to a place overhanging the stream, swollen with the rains from the heads of the hills. No sign outward showed any danger of the spot, and yet the waters unseen below had bitten deep into the earth supporting it. My father had walked ahead of me. The ground beneath him buckled, and he lost his footing and fell into the stream. He struck his head on a rock, "'as he fell. "'But his body caught against two great branches wedged against the current. "'And my mother, in the instant of his fall, ran from behind "'and tried to crawl to him along the thicker branch "'to lift his head so that he might not drown. "'She turned and shouted to me to run back for help, "'but before she finished speaking, the ground gave way.' Loosing the roots of the fallen trees, and she and my father both disappeared beneath the water. The current was too strong for my mother alone, bearing my father's senseless body, and they both perished. Lara heard beside her Jan's low, hidden catch of the breath. I lived for many winters in wild anger after, said Dane. His voice strode with peace firmly forward, not unfeeling, but neither anguished. They died with no grand theme, no meaning in it, whatever. They died without the mark of living hand on the matter, their own or others. Surely, I thought, this could fall only to the god. And if he dealt with his servants in such fashion, that he was broken and evil, and I would have no part of him. Nissa shivered, listening. Yet I could not leave him unchallenged. I had such hatred for him then that I spent my days in his temple, screaming accusations and demanding he face me. Those who served in the temple knew of my parents, and they had great patience with me, though I often flew at them when they came to lead me out of the courts where worshippers gathered. I kept returning. For I knew of no life outside his home, and he had betrayed me. I swore in my hearts that if he had orphaned me, he should have me as a son of violence forever in his house. For two winters I continued in this way, until at last I grew exhausted with it, and became instead Sober as a dead thing, haunting the colonnades, sitting beneath the walls, and watching the ceremonies, hearing the prayers, seeing the faces of the peoples who came there. The temple servants fed and clothed me, and made for me a pallet in a protected place, where I slept sparely. Many tried to speak with me, but I said nothing but that the god should tell me why he had taken my parents, If any pressed me with questions or tried to draw my interest, I grew enraged and tried to strike them. They soon ceased speaking with me, but let me wander the courts as I would, so long as I did not disturb the worshippers. If I did, they barred me from the courts until nightfall, when they left the corridors vacant and a single low door open for me. And did he... Answer you, Nyssa asked, her face trembling. For truly you have made your peace with him. You run for him. Why did he let your parents die? Dane looked at her silently for a while. And the others, sitting in the room, could see the aching within him. Oh, dear heart, he said. You are hoping that the next words I speak will be his answer to your own question as well. She laughed shortly, looked down at her hands and said, That is so. He did not answer that question for me. Likely he shall not for you. Neither, not yet. Dane looked at Nyssa with great steadiness in his eyes. I do not know why my parents died, nor why your son died. He has told me only that there will come a day when I will stand on my own two feet and see the answer with waking eyes. Why might I not know it at once, I asked him. You cannot understand, he said, until you have known both sides of death. Nissa took this in with evident confusion. But you serve him, she said, at last, frustrated. Why? Why? Again, Dane held his peace for some time before answering. When he did, the cadence of his voice was slow, careful, measured. I serve him, because I learnt something. In the silence after my thrashing about in my pain. I learned that why was not my only question. I thought I could not go on unless he answered it. And I found in the end that his answer to my deepest question brought me enough. Enough to go forward still carrying the unanswered why before him. What question? What kind of god would do such a thing? Dane said, even more lowly. Who he was? No one spoke. Nissa seemed transfixed staring, unseeing at the floor, hearing Dane's words again and again, unfolding them, considering them. She began to speak, then subsided. She twisted the fist of one hand into the palm of the other. What? She began again, but her voice broke. Lara felt flush with shame at hearing the private noise, the pain in the gut of Nyssa's weeping. What did he... My words cannot carry it, Dane said, turning his hands up, helpless. Only drinking it will serve. It was... Love touching me, love at the center. His warmth returned me to myself. And though it did not come in that season, in those since he has shown me in the ebbing and waxing tides of my grief that we shall not be sundered forever through nissa's body ran a quiver unconscious as stone shattering she nodded once closed her eyes and reached for her husband's hand beside her They all sat without speaking for quite some time and the lights of the room faded gradually for the hour of sleep had long passed. Suddenly, Jan began to sing softly below breath. A tune Lara did not know. Dane sang with her and their two voices quiet brightness and the steady darkness Fill the room like spring after winter. The Flower of the Cedar is written, produced, and published by me, Kay Benavraham. This content is made possible by the support of my patrons on Patreon, we make monthly pledges they can increase, decrease, or cancel at any time. If you are enjoying listening, please consider supporting my work on Patreon. Even a dollar a month makes a great difference to a struggling author. For those of you wishing to support this work in non-monetary fashion, you can tell a friend about the podcast, or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help ratings rise and so that other people can find it. Thank you so much.